When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Exhausted, but happy to be on. I'm glad to actually have you on. It's been a while. Yes, it has. It's been uh, crazy at work. Apparently, um, cold uh, winter is coming and people only want to eat pizza. <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with pizza. I'll tell you that. Oh, well, with the number of pounds I've gained in six months, I think there is something wrong with pizza. <laughs> okay, I do understand that. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> so hello movie lovers and welcome to the show i actually have frenchy back with me again say hello to everybody hello and tonight we decided to actually do a halloween recap of all the movies that i actually reviewed and i have, I have a quick question for you did you get to watch any horror movies or anything like that nope Okay. Uh, I, I don't. Right. We're, we're even supposed to 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 watch a horror movie for for last month, but uh, to give an explanation is because my girlfriend really does not like horror movies. Uh, I oh, I've, I've made her watch a couple, and that's a feat on its own. But it's not something I watch anymore that much. But I miss, and I am planning to do a me day one day and watching maybe eight of them in a row. Okay. When you do, <laughs> let me know, and uh, we'll talk about it. All right. Sounds good. All right. So the movies that I actually reviewed was A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Nightmare on Elm Street with Robert England. Yeah. And did you like the very first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie? Oh, who doesn't, man? It's Right. I watched it older, but I, I, I remember being confused, enticed, and very intrigued about Freddy. Uh, he's very different from all the other horror characters, right? Because a lot of horror characters are very serious or demented. This one's demented, but physically it's interesting, like the, the design of the character. But the personality, he's a trickster, you know? He's almost a, a, like a, um, a trickster god in, in mythology, right? He will find right. ways to deceive you that you think you're okay but you're following through his plan, plan, right? He does mind games and enjoys it and and really embellishes into driving you insane before killing you, you know? So it was very interesting to see that kind of character. I haven't seen it before. Right, exactly. It goes to show you how far the originality behind Freddy actually was with Robert England and plus with New Line Cinema. That was actually their first ever movie, really, that they have actually done. Mm. So they invested in... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and it paid off in the end. It really did. It came at the right time. So, like, I mean, the '80s is booming with so, so much inventive and groundbreaking things, right? Yes, we have the technology now, but they really had the imagination back then. And 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 Nightmare on Elm Street definitely is one of them that thrived on the fact that it was different and it was really pushing the boundaries. Most definitely, especially when you actually have a character like Nancy who winds up being afraid of going to sleep and then all of a sudden embracing 
the fact that she can actually kill him and bring him into her our world, and then also to not be afraid of him anymore and give him the power of being afraid. So I really love the whole entire story arc with Nancy involved. Yeah, she was a good character. Um, she she's definitely not my top like heroines or or heroes of like horror movies, right? Uh, I her. Her character arc is not the best. Like it's good in the first one, but her character arc personally is not the best in the the no. the, the whole franchise per se. But she did she definitely did stand out in this one. And I also want to talk about going back to the um, the concept of the movie. Right, there's something innately very spooky, terrifying, and the unknown of our dreams. Right, uh, dreaming is such a weird thing if you think about it. Uh, it's it's something that we we know we do, but we don't fully understand. We just understand it. It's it's our subconscious, right? So there's so right. much to play in that realm uh, because it's something that's scary on its own. Like nightmares, we all had them. It's something that, be if you're from Beirut or in America or in Alaska, or oh, Alaska is America, but you know. <laughs> right, I got you. Up north in 40 feet of snow. Uh, we all share one thing is the fact that we're human and we dream or have nightmares. So it's a very universal message. Most definitely. And that's actually our most vulnerable time as well as when we're sleeping. So that's even more creepy because we actually have somebody in there that can kill us in our sleep. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting concept. Like, and how do you how do you fight? Like, technically, yes, Freddy's the 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 villain, right? But the true villain is sleeping. You only get killed if you go to his realm, technically, right? So the true villain is your natural state of needing to rest and losing yourself for eight hours. You know, mm-hmm. instead of like peacefully regenerating your body, you're actually fending for your life every eight hours. Eventually, you're going to die. Eventually, he's going to find a way to break you, right? Exactly. Because he know- who knows our fears better than he does? And who knows how to break us better than he does? Now, I, I have a question for you, John. Mm-hmm. We put you in, a, uh, in, uh, the fr- in um, a Freddy movie, right? How, how, right. How, how does he present you? Like, what does that scene look like? Okay, so I'm probably going to have to go with the karate scene that they did mm. in part part three because I was huge into the karate kid, still am, of course, <laughs> which is why I also took karate lessons as well. Mm. But also, too, it was just I would have to say it would probably be around that realm or maybe the video game realm that he can actually use something on me or maybe the movie realm. So one of those three. Me, uh, I, I'm not sure if there's... There's the realm that I'm going to say, but I, I know if he knows my fears, I'd be surrounded by, you remember uh, that scene, I think it's in the third Harry Potter, they're just a bunch of giant spiders. Oh, yeah, and I hate spiders. Yeah, th- that's my, that's another thing. That's my nightmare. I'd be surrounded by spiders, and one of the spiders would have Freddy's face. <laughs> definitely. I can definitely see that happening, man. I can definitely see that as a big, huge nightmare. Uh Matter of fact, that was actually in the Nintendo game <laughs> as well. Nice. Oh. So, so yeah, we'll, let's see here. What else did you watch, my friend? Okay, so I actually watched, I have the list right in front of me. So I watched The Cabin in the Woods. Ooh, nice. Which I reviewed this film totally different from all the others because of the guest I actually had on. And I also had 
a guest on with me with um, the Nightmare on Elm Street movie from Advanced uh, Genetic Comics. Okay. And with this one, I actually had someone from Twitter that just reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to do a review with him. And I said, yeah. So he was actually, I guess, on the show. And the way that we ended up perceiving it was this. Like, you know how the opening scene is just totally goofy, totally off-center, where, you know, you're not not walking in to see a horror movie, pretty much. Pretty much you're walking in to see, like, a comedy. Mm. And so... You know, there's actually a scene where we actually said that the way that they were betting on who the who the monsters were and everything, and it was such a letdown with one of the characters saying, well, zombies, really? And then we, as our own individual, is also putting our money mm. into this film not knowing what it's about, and then they picked the monster out for us, and we're totally let down also. So it's like we're putting our own money and our own bet into this movie, not knowing who they're actually going to pick. So therefore, we lost the bet because of the maintenance department in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's actually how I actually pictured that. And then we went into the whole entire thing was like we went into it where one of the smartest stoner guys inside the film is one of those guys that is very smart and intelligent and the fact that he wasn't going to be a puppet to these guys, to these guys and everything, because he already figured it out. And so anyways, even though he's not playing along, he's actually playing along and he's not really knowing that he's actually playing along with it. Mm. So then there was also the whole entire fact with the climax of it. Everybody was, if you remember, everybody was pissed off at the fact that we never got a sequel to this movie. Well, we, it's kind of hard to have a sequel and if you go logically that they, they just fucked humanity. Their choice fucked humanity. And, and like pretty much it's the end of the human race after. Well, get this. Pretty much it's basically them destroying the film. Okay, explain. If you actually think explain. about it. It's basically the studios, the directors destroying their own film at the very end of it because there's nothing left. There is actually no more film left or anything like that. They destroyed their whole entire story. Is what it is. And destroyed the cabin. Everything is dead. Okay. Do you mean like the, the studio tried to bury the movie or like I'm trying to understand the metaphysical like, <laughs> Okay. So the cabin is a metaphor. Okay. For the fact that once the cabin is destroyed, there is nothing left to actually go on. There's no other meat for us to actually digest because that cabin is now dead. There's no other locations because the world has already had ended because of those monsters and everything. But and then also, too, the film in itself is destroyed because there's nothing left to actually make a sequel out of. Yeah. Yeah, no, but you, you you know someone out there smoked a joint or two too much that actually finds a brilliant idea. You can you can always find a way, right? Technically, but yeah, it's it's right. pretty final, and it's 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 also how can I say this? It it's a commentary on how other studios make their movies, right? Uh, it's always mm-hmm. like the good way, or like or, or always the bad way. It's so predictable, right? Uh, and 
they really set out to do something that does not follow the rules, that really completely right. bashes all your expectancies. Because when I saw this movie, I had no clue the fuck I was going to watch. And I came out saying, you got to watch. Everyone's going to watch this movie. This is not what we think, you know? And it's one of the first horror movies I presented to my girlfriend. And she's like, yeah, that was actually that bad. You know, I didn't get scared. It's like, it was funny. And it was really surprising, right? Right. So it, it's a big fuck you to all the other companies that make like the redundant bullshit horror movies. Right. But the funny thing is, this movie has um, a, a record that like it really got buried a lot by the the studio, and it took years before it got came out. Uh, and you know, the main stars of the movie actually got popular a lot longer after. Uh, mm-hmm. But this was made a lot before. Right, exactly. Because we also have Chris Hemsworth in it. We have, um, and that was actually, I think, before he actually was Thor, I want to say. Exactly. So that was actually. But it came out after Thor. (laughs) But, right, after Thor. So pretty much he was still kind of like an unknown actor in a sense. But another thing, though, that I want to actually mention about this film is the fact that if you actually remember, there's actually a part where there's like a two way mirror where the girl is just got done taking yeah. a shower and the guy is over there watching her. And then all of a sudden he just turns around and then all of a sudden it goes over to the people in the lab and then they're frustrated because they couldn't watch. So, and then next thing you know, we get frustrated as an audience because we don't get to see the nude part. But then it's like, who the hell do you think you are at the point of what made you think that you had the right to actually look at this mm. woman? in the context that you should and everything. So basically it's a movie that it can actually make you think. Yeah. Because it really add a tool and a perspective. Like, like you said before, right. The, the lab technicians are us. They're, they're, they're the voice of the people in the movie. Uh, and it's a very effective because then you go into psychological, you know, debates and, and it, it adds a layer right. to really starting questioning that, you know, they're, they're treating this as like, you know, just another day, right? Same thing for us when we watch horror movies. We are paying technically other people to go to a cinema and see things we would never want to see in real life, you know? I don't want to see someone being destroyed in Halfway Chainsaw, and yet I'm paying money to see the fiction of it, right? So, <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It really does doesn't. It. <laughs> It, it, but, it brings a detachment, right? That we want to see the fantasy of it, or we, we want to take it lightly and like, ha, ha, ha. But if we're put face-to-face with it, we're like, okay, well, that was a good life. I'm dead, you know? Right. Let's see here. The other movies that I actually reviewed was Secret Window with Johnny Oh, Depp. my God. I've seen it once, and I know I was let down. Oh, wow. You were actually yes. let down by that? You see, I actually had the opposite oh, effect really? on it. Yeah, I really love the plot twist in this movie. I really like the performance that Johnny Depp actually gave me gave us. And then also, too, it was based off a novella from Stephen King. I thought it was real, very well put mm. together. You see, I... I would have but, to rewatch you know. it because I remember bits and pieces, and I remember like if not mistaken, the twist is he's the murderer or something, and I kind of kind of predicted yep. like an after ten minutes of the movie, so I was like, yeah, what that happened? But now I know the context, I would see, probably have to redive into it and maybe look at things differently because I already know the story, right? 
Right. And you see, that's what I did too, though. Like, once I actually found out that he was actually the murderer, and I saw this movie back in high school. So now that I knew, I was trying to dissect the movie and figure out what spots he was actually showing mm. signs. So that's the other movie that I actually watched. And then I also did a review on the movie Orphan. Yeah, that was good. It was definitely not my favorite horror movie, but I remember when watching it, like, kids are creepy, okay? Let's get something straight. You know, when something off with a kid, it's scary as fuck. (laughs) And the the actress did really a good job of portraying what a psycho kid can actually be like. (laughs) I agree. And, you know, like I was telling Rick, who actually was the one who was on the show with me mm. to review this film, I said, I didn't go see this movie in theaters because I thought it was going to be like a McCully Culkin movie, like mm. The Good Son with Elijah Wood. I'm like, I really don't want to sit through a two and a half hour movie about the same formula. And then I saw it on DVD or on DirecTV, and the plot twist was just surprising. What was the plot twist again? I forgot. The girl is actually a grown woman, but she's actually, she has some type of deformity where she was actually like a midget. Okay, so they're technically, yeah, okay, I forgot about that part. (laughs) So, and then she was trying to seduce the husband while the mother is being held in the hospital under psychiatric help because they think that she's insane and things like that towards the end of the film. But the whole setup was really good. I really enjoyed the whole entire thing of where you actually have this girl that looks like she's sweet and innocent, but then there's more to her that makes. Yeah, and also always an interesting bad guys, right? They're not just plain white or black. They're they're very layered and it's progressive. You know something's off. You don't know what's what's off completely, but they start unveiling their layers small, uh, like little by little, and eventually you get a bigger picture and then it hits you, right? Something's forming. Uh, and I remember having her uh, her performance as uh, the orphan uh, really delivered because it was very progressive, right? You know something was off, but you didn't know until, you know, things are shown to you. But it's in a way that you can actually accept that, it could, it could have been corny, right? Not well done properly. You can be like, yeah, this is, oof. Okay, this is bad, but she did it in a way that it was actually realistic for you to accept something that's, you know, kind of stupid as a premise if you think about it. Right. Exactly. Um, let's see here. Then I've actually did another thing too. I did a psychological okay. horror film, and that oh, is the butterfly. Yeah, effect baby. With Ashton Kutcher. I kind of figured that you would actually go for the psychological thing, though, too. And I was like, wait until I tell Frenchie that I reviewed this film. Because I have, get this, this movie came mm-hmm. out when I was in high school. I like Ashton Kutcher. It was good to see him in something different besides romantic comedies and stuff like that. And see him do something that was actually psychological. And I really love movies that make us think. And I really love the cause and the effect of him being able to go back in time just by reading notebooks and he can ch- try and Yeah, it's, I, I was obsessed with this movie when I was younger. Uh, it's, it, it blew my mind. Not, it was nothing, you know, like too groundbreaking. But every time he would come back after a choice of consequence, right, and there was this new reality that set in, 
it was so unexpected every time the first time you watch it that you're like, okay, where the hell is this heading, right? How is this finishing? If It's getting worse and worse and worse. What's the climax of this movie? And it did not let down. All the performances were amazing spot on because you have to play a couple of different type of characters, right? Every reality. And they were, all the actors did all the characters perfectly well that you believed uh, that they became the results of his choice, right? And you can't help just feeling bad for the guy. Right, because he's trying mm-hmm. to do something right, but it's kind of like Barry Allen in a sense, because Barry is actually trying to do something uh, nice as well, but, you know, with Ashley Kutcher's character, he had a lot of damage that was done to him even as a kid before mm-hmm. he even met his friends and everything. And then all of a sudden... He gets into more stuff with his friends and everything, and then Lenny, the kid who winds up being shocked over what happens with the fire, with the mm. firecracker or the dynamite, and then a bunch of dramatic stuff winds up happening, and he wants to try and change it. And then the loss of Amy Smart in the film, whenever she kills herself, and he wants to really go back and try and change that. I really yeah, like and that. He, and he did a good job too in the atmosphere to show like the anxiety and the panic more you advance in the movie because you can you can feel the you know the 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 desperateness that the character had just in the way it was shot and the framing and uh, what the director wanted to show on film really translated well into that panic mode that you cannot help but feel angst through the whole movie but for me uh, the part that really made me acting made me go like, okay, this is getting real. Is uh, the whole pedophile scene? Oh <laughs> yeah, that that creeped me the hell out. I'm not gonna lie. All of a sudden, you know, like I was saying in my review, I said you're thinking that this guy is, you know, is one of those, uh, g- you know, husbands that are really too good to be mm. true kind of situations where you're thinking that he's doing everything right in for his kid for the kids and then really he's just a pathetic loser who wants to go ahead and be a pedophile yeah and like kids. the end result like when they actually like go against and he says things um you know when he, he snaps into it and he starts saying things uh to, to the adult for him to be like okay shit i have to back off that scene is so Right. It, it makes you feel good, right? You're like, yes, good. You know, it, it's so rewarding and fulfilling, that scene. I agree with you. And then not only that, but the guy is also thrown back as well because he's not expecting it, especially when he goes, back off, dirtbag. I don't want you to be touching your daughter, you're touching your daughter anymore or anything like that. And then he forgets that about Tommy, and Tommy is sick and sadistic and. The father instead touch, touches the daughter. He's doing yeah, stuff to like the son. It, you can take off a problem, but it, if it's the nature of the person, the problem is just going to go somewhere else, right? And then again, you go into the butterfly effect, and no matter what your intentions are, if that's a destiny of someone, just depends on who it's going to be. It's going to be their destiny anyway, so it's still going to come back to you. So they, it was a very, very smart movie. Exactly. I really loved it. And then also, mm. too, on the extended cut, yeah, there was he, actually he kills, a different ending. He kills himself in the womb, if I'm not mistaken, film. right? Yeah, I remember that scene. Yep, right. 
What's thing that you like? Did you like it better when he was just passing through and he acknowledges Amy Smart and everything, acting like they know each other, but they kind of don't know each other, and then they walk off and pass? I prefer the original ending. For me, it was more... It, it was more what he actually needed to do. It's like, you do all these choices. At one point, you just have to make no choice. Because he didn't... He made a choice of not doing anything, right? And he just let... He created his right. own passage because he wasn't meddling in other people's lives. He was just finally letting go. Where the other one really felt out of place. Um, it, it felt like it was... Mm-hmm. Forced... Because they wanted to push the envelope even more and just made no sense at, at that point, right? Um, for the original ending, just, yes, maybe not as satisfying or awesome, like, whoa, what the fuck happened? But it's, it, it feels more of a poetic ending than the other film, more of, you know, a shocking ending or want to be a shocking ending. Right. I agree with you on that. I prefer the original ending over the director's cut ending. So, let's see. And I also, Tamika and I just got done reviewing yeah, Rob baby. Zombie's Halloween. And I loved it. I, I know most people, you know, they don't really like it because it gets rid of the mm. whole shape element to it. And not knowing the background of Michael Myers instead it winds up making it something that was actually simplistic mm. into something else. But I really love the psychological aspect of the film where you have Dr. Loomis investigating in the mind of a serial killer and then going in. Oh yeah, most definitely. Angle. Like I see, I see this in, uh, in cinema and to be honest, uh, I'm not the biggest original Halloween fan. I never seen it when I was younger. I seen it was older. I was like, okay, you know, yeah, it's okay. It's creepy, but you know, it's, a guy who doesn't speak and appears and then disappears and then kills. It's like, you know, a boogeyman, but a bit out of his time in my taste when I discovered it. Now, knowing my penchant for psychological thrillers and things that really go, well, this is fucked up. This talked to me more because you actually saw the evolution as a kid. For me, my favorite scenes was the first hour of the movie. Movie when you actually saw this kid unraveling into something really dark and understanding the 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 psychology of why he became that way. You you kind of feel bad for him, and that's for me the, the most interesting characters. Is when you feel bad for them, you cannot you know condone what with the what they do it's wrong but it brings a human aspect and for me i know a lot of criticism too is that yeah you don't put a human aspect aspect to the boogeyman but if you want to do something different and you know shoot for the stars and make it your own i can't blame rob zombie to try that way because for me it's the way that makes the most sense same here as well i feel like it actually works as a matter of fact, Rob actually went to Carpenter before making the film, and Carpenter said, mm. make it your own movie. Do not do the same thing that I've done. And that's what Rob did. He added some a little bit of uh, flavor from Carpenter, but then he actually added his, his own recipe yeah, for what he wanted he, to do. Again, I, I was confused, right? Like, it's, at the same time, like, um, when I saw Man of Steel, and I loved it, and then other people were like, this is bullshit. I'm like, didn't we see the same movie? It's the same feeling I had when I seen Halloween. I was like, everyone's right. got to see this. This is mind-blowing. And then I see a bunch of people like start saying, this is bullshit and this is crap. I'm like, 
but like, where? <laughs> and then I realized it just it doesn't speak to them because he had an image already of who Michael Myers is, right? And don't try to teach uh, no dog new right. tricks when it comes to fans of Halloween. So for them, they it just they didn't swallow it properly and just like, no, this is not my Michael Myers. But Rob Zombie was not set to make your Michael Myers. He was set to make his Michael Myers. Right. His own uh, pretty much Elseworld yep. yep. Halloween, we do not- if you will. And that's how I told Tamika. That's what I. That's what I told Tamika. Like and, and we do not Halloween. talk about part two, though. Part two does not exist. <laughs> no, no. <clears throat> Same here as well. Part two does not exist for me as well. So there's that. Uh, let's see here. I actually reviewed a Richard Gere movie. That's actually uh, a psychological the, thriller. Um... Oh yes, okay. I was going to say one, but yes. I vaguely remember that movie. I did too, up until I revisited recently. <laughs> like, I went on ahead. I saw it, like, last year for the first time with my ex and her family and everything and stuff like that when we were together. And then, you know what? I was like, you know what? I want to revisit this film and see if this film is something that I really enjoyed. And what's your verdict? time that I watched it. And... My verdict is this. Some of it is sloppy writing. Some of it is good. But, you know, it's not a poo-poo movie or anything like that. But it definitely has some problems as far as pacing goes and stuff like that. But I like the fact that Richard Mm. Gere was not afraid to try something new that we normally never get from him. Because don't forget, he was also the king of rom-coms when it came down to Julia Roberts, stuff like that. And then also, too, Primal Fear is probably one of my favorite movies be- uh, yeah. that he's ever made with Edward Norton. That's actually mm. one of my favorite Edward Norton movies. Uh, but when it came down to this film, I liked the very beginning whenever you first see that, uh, see his wife actually getting the visions of the Mothman and everything. And then all of a sudden... She winds up dying, and then now he's actually investigating this Mossman thing after a year or two later. But it just doesn't show. Get this: the budget actually had to be cut during the production cost hmm. during while it was in production. So we didn't even get to see a monster or anything. All we got, all we got to hear was just something that was on the phone. So it was kind of a letdown in a sense. But it was fun yeah, revisiting like, it, it though. It could have been better if the studio wouldn't have done what it did, did, right? Because either it didn't have faith in it or whatever the reason is. Uh, The potential is there. That being said, it didn't land. For me, those are the type of movies that are, those are valued to be remade. Imagine what you could do with Mopman with someone who actually cares about Mm -hmm. it, has a vision of, uh, of how to add on to it. And the studio believes in it, or you know, you put it on Netflix or something. You know, you might have an interesting concept and something that, right. you know, I remember it being interesting and and like you said, a lot of potential, but didn't deliver. If someone figures out how to end this movie properly, you could have a hit on your hands. Exactly, I agree with you on that. And I remember when I was working at movie gallery at the video store, mm. I actually got a chance to bring home the poster. 
but I never actually saw the movie until like last year. Hmm. So that was like in 2001. So now that's a long a, a question time. for you. But, uh, since you know, like Richard Gere is, is getting older, so you can't really reprise it, right? Um, who would you cast if ever they do remake it? Someone like they're they're stereotyping something and it, it do a bit like what Richard did, uh, Richard Gere did, and take a take a chance. Who would you cast to to take that different role? Okay, John okay. Cusack. And why John Cusack? I because he has a thing where he likes to question mm. things a lot within his movies and itself. And theorize certain things, and the way he actually theorizes mm. stuff can actually make him go insane, to the point mm. where it can actually break him, break his own self. So I think if we got that line, I think John nice. Cusack would actually. I, I could definitely see it. Uh, on my end, uh, I would take someone. He, he he did some serious things, but is really known for for com- comedic uh, stuff. Uh, it would be Seth Rogen. Right. Exactly. Now that's different. Exactly. Right? Like, uh, like right he does very stupid, okay. idiotic things sometimes. Sometimes some some emotional stuff. But have him in a, a, an interesting psychological thriller. And now he's really grown into an actor uh, mm-hmm. and kind of found himself. I find uh, he can bring a unique perspective. He's getting at that age that you can you can lower the character's age. Uh, from the original movie, but still not being his twenties, right? And he would have a sensibility I find could work if in the right hands of the right director. I could see that in a way because I did like him in the movie Fifty yeah. Fifty with him and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and I thought he did a very good job at playing a serious role. Oh yeah, shows he, that he, he, has he definitely does, shots. and and. He's able to uh, look at the, the the movie he did, if not mistaken. He did like a serious movie, the one he directed, right? Which I forgot the name of it. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> I, I forgot the name of it too, but I know the movie you're talking about. All right, about, what else, though. John? But let's see here. The other film I actually have on the list that I did was. Um, I actually oh, God. did the Frighteners, but Michael J. Fox. Eh, it's it, <laughs> did you it's like good. That one, um, the only reason why we watch it a couple of times is Michael J. Fox, and not the movie, not the movie itself. If you understand what I mean, because of the fact that with the Back to the Future or... Because, because he was the in the movie. Because I like him, right? I didn't watch the movie because the movie was something that I liked per right. se. But I like his performance and I like him as a person. So it's a movie that I would revisit more just to see some Michael J. Fox than some Frighteners. Okay, I gotcha. And you see, I like it for that reason though too. But I also like it too because of the fact that once again, we see Michael J. Fox was also another one of those uh, actors that was in that whole entire yeah. 90s romantic comedy yeah, section, true. if you actually think about it. So for him to write, and in order for him to change a little thing, a little bit or whatever, he did what Richard Gere did, which was playing something that was a little bit more of a comedy, but at the same time, something that was actually horror-related. 
But I definitely mm. loved it whenever he's scamming mm. people with the ghost that he actually has and everything. And he uh, and he winds up getting $240 or $400 off of this one customer because mm. they were terrorized by the See, ghost. See, I forgot about so that part. I definitely uh, loved that. Is there any other memorable parts maybe you can uh, you can re- uh, make me remind? Because it's, it's very uh, vague and, and foggy in my head. Okay, at the opening of it, you actually see the um, pretty much you see like the opening scene where this girl is getting attacked inside this house, and mm. you know you're not sure why she's getting attacked in this house and this old, I'm gonna say old haunted house or whatever because it mm. actually looks like an old creepy tales from the crypt kind of house, but you're wondering why is she getting attacked? You actually feel like that she's the victim. But then you discover later on with Gary Busey's son, who's in the film, that he's actually a serial killer. Mm. And she fell in love with that serial killer in the past. And actually, even as a ghost, Gary Busey's son is actually Mm. killing people as a ghost, as a Grim Reaper. And I liked the whole entire aspect of the fact that we didn't even know who this who it was that was actually killing anybody it was just at first we just thought it was like a grim reaper son, but instead yeah. then we find out later on it's actually gary Busey's son who who's actually killing all these people and be and carving numbers into their head because of the fact that he just wants to get uh the mm, number up from the last time from the last yeah time it, 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 those certain things that come back like especially like said the the, the grim reaper part uh, and you know, reveal that it's it's actually Gary Busey's son. Um, the thing that I remember too is that the the effects weren't holding up. In my opinion, in your opinion, I'll be watching it. Does this still you know hold up to this day, or it's it's past its due? Okay. Okay, so I'm gonna say this: when you see the ghost like the good ghosts and stuff like that, I feel like those effects actually hold up. And when you see the Grand Reaper part, that effect kind of holds up, though, too. But whenever Michael J. Fox is going back up to heaven, and then you have the part where Gary Busey's son and the psycho girl that he's who's actually in love with him are going up into heaven as well, then all of a sudden Mm. they're being judged for how dark they are. And... I'm going to say this, the part where they're actually being judged and being sent down to hell, uh, that definitely, that scene does not fit. <laughs> like, yeah, you it's can like, definitely tell the CGI vision, was But the technology good. wasn't, like, developed enough to match his vision, so he did the best he could. <laughs> right, exactly. So, let's see here. Ah, the other yeah. one that Another Johnny Depp. was Sleepy Hollow. Yep, <laughs> with uh, Tim Burton. This is before the uh, LSD CGI acid yeah. trip that we got from Charlie and the Factory. <laughs> but I really like this film. I like the fact that they were able to do something a little bit different with a short mm. story that was like 20, 15 minutes long. And then they actually had to make something up to make up for the time. So I like the fact that they yeah. actually changed Ichabod's character into a detective. 
So I definitely love that aspect. I actually had my uh, independent actress Rossi on the show with me, and then also my friend Rick <coughs> again was joining me for yeah, this, and, this and review as it's, well. How could I say this? It's one of those movies that are you know say say what you want or not about Tim Burton. Okay, it's widely recognized as one of his good movies and it's very like generally right and for a reason uh, there's certain, especially the recent Tim Burton movies anyone could have kind of uh, do that it's, there's like no Tim Burtonism if you can permit me the expression but this Edward Scissorhands Batman like no one else could have like produced that vision and it was so unique into a story that's still like you know pretty popular because i remember watching when i was younger um the 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 same type of story from disney animated cartoon right i don't know if you've ever seen that so i was familiar with the story but it was so yeah, fresh I and have. unique at the time and so grim and witty at the same time and only the burden could have produced that movie and johnny depp is such an interesting and it brought a dimension to a character that you you kind of like believed he was he was this wimpy character that actually could do a lot and 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 progress realistically in a very unrealistic uh, circumstance. I agree with you, and not only that, but if you remember, Ichabod's character was very awkward mm. and very, and not only that, but wasn't even attractive at all. So they got Johnny Depp, who was the highlight of his career, who was also good-looking and wasn't very awkward. And they made mm. him into thinking mm. that he's actually smarter than what he is, whenever he really isn't. And he plays into that as really well, especially whenever you look at yeah, the whole entire he, thing. He, brought, he did know? bring the uh, brains, and I'm sorry. If I'm surrounded by a village of those kind of people, I would feel smarter than a lot of other people too. All right, <laughs> um, but it's it, he he brought a mythology to like Tim Burton uh, brought a mythology to the movie uh, that kind of worked. He did his own thing without insulting the story either, but brought uh, new Ellis Emma's movie to push the movie forward to really you know expand into something like you said a short story with 20 pages right uh, and they made it to a two-hour movie that was fun to watch from a to z right. uh, a bit predictable the special effects don't always hold up but at the same time I always remember that bleeding tree that scene always is always going to be in my memory because oh yeah it's a shocking thing right this is kind of like a family horror you can like kind of go pg on it but at the same time, it was kind of pushing the boundaries of what you can permit in a PG type, uh, scary but not too scary horror movie. Right, exactly, and that's what I loved about it. And then also too, mm. you know, you have Christina Ricci in this movie as well, and then you also have a couple of other people in there too that I really liked. I also love the dark humor in it. Also, like like I said, this movie works and is yeah, really, really well is. And like I've heard though in comments, but that's just because it's the Burton movie, right? That it's too dark, it's too damp, it's too heavy as a movie. But I find it actually works for the movie. The fact that it's very heavy and has this atmosphere 
because it would not feel the same if you wouldn't give that greediness to it. I agree with you. Oh, yeah. I, I, and also, too, you also have Christopher Walken as the okay. Headless Horseman, which I did not see coming at all. So whenever I was a kid, well, a teenager anyways. But let's see here. Um, another thing that we... Oh, yeah. That I, play, I remember watching at the Wolf Creek. Weiss, it's an Australian movie, right? Oh, okay. Right. And that was actually my first time seeing this movie. And Rossi was actually the one who recommended this movie to me. I remember hearing about it, but I never got around to actually watching it. And I didn't even know it was based off of a true story until, like, I started watching the film. And Mm. then I started getting into it even more. And I really have to say, I really enjoy the film, watching it for the first time, and then seeing how dark (laughs) it actually is in Australia makes me really creeped out. To the point, like, you know what? I don't want to go to Australia. You have huge-ass spiders for number one. Number two... You have some. You have dark <laughs> roads. I said I'm good. I don't need to go. <laughs> but, but you know, I really have to say they the the actors did a very good job at convincing me that they were the um that they were friends and that there was something building with them, and you actually care about them, and you don't even feel, the way the camera mm-hmm. angle actually feels like it feels like they are actually on this road trip mm-hmm. with them. Versus just sitting down in your bedroom and watching the film. So that's what I actually felt like from this movie. Yeah, I mean, it's very underrated because it's Australia, right? It's not American-made. But thank God it's not American-made because we've seen these kind of movies over and over rehashing uh, in the American style. And they're very lackluster, right? They're very formulaic. And putting, uh, taking away that aspect and giving it to uh, directors and uh, a country that you know doesn't have their own formula, but they take that kind of story, really makes it shine because they don't fall under the studio traps that sometimes are forced to make uh, just to please them, right? And then you get another generic, boring slasher type movie. It was a slasher. It was one of those humans are bad, the dark side of humans, but it didn't felt repetitive, which is really hard to do when you have like ten other type of clones like that out there. Right, exactly. And it doesn't rely on that. It's actually completely different, something that's <clears throat> totally independent, totally works yeah. for, on for its own movie, and it is perfectly well-balanced. So that's what I loved about Wolf Creek. Um, then you also have Kamika and I oh, actually God. reviewed the movie Witches, the 1990. I, I, I barely remember that movie. <laughs> and Okay. Oh, I, I, maybe it's this. about it's time I rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, and also, too, The Butterfly Effect is actually on HBO Max. Oh, the nice. Writers is actually on HBO Max, so I was able to watch those films. So, in case any... Right. So, it was actually fun to actually see those movies in the catalog that they had. I'm like, okay, this is actually perfect. So, I just started writing down everything I I wanted to watch. And so that's how I came out with my list. 
But with the witches and everything, I remember seeing this as a kid. I didn't see this in theaters or anything like that, but I just remember my mom. <laughs> and it's actually another it's, mice movie. Okay, so it, it really is a thing, man. You <laughs> cannot deny it, John. You cannot deny it. You and mice, were, like, you ever heard of recycling energy and, and you know, okay. So you were, you were either a mice or you owned mice in your yeah. past life, John. <laughs> I might have been because my mom actually got me. Well, she actually went on and recorded this film for me, and I watched it. And I just remember being creeped out by the witches, and the witches want to turn these kids into mice because because they don't like kids, so they just want to go in uh, and turn and, every and single one of them into you, mice and does, try to kill okay, them. Okay, does the acting still stand? Mm. I like the acting in it a lot better than the remake that I just watched. <laughs> because in the remake, you actually have Chris Rock narrating <laughs> okay. the story, and it made me feel like I was watching Everybody Hates Chris. So I'm like, okay, this is definitely like Everybody Hates Chris featuring Anne Hathaway, which actually takes me out of the film. Yeah. What's up? And then over, over one day we're, CGI. We'll, we'll get out of this rut of CGI. Uh, nonsense that actually like bullshits the movie but if there's something that you would take from the remake and put it in the original like something they did or the way they did it is there something you would still translate to the old movie or the new one's completely shit and I should avoid it completely I'm gonna be honest with you I hated the way the, uh, the remake actually ended yeah, I would just avoid this at all costs because I'm seriously going to do a review on this soon, like a whole entire full review on it. And I okay, felt bad so you, for myself for watching. The yeah, so you're like, okay, I want my like my life back, my narrative <laughs> thing of, get of my precious time that I would never have back. Definitely. So then I got my my friend Michael. I, you know, he wanted to do oh, a review God. on Who Be Halloween, the new Adam Sandler movie. I feel it, bro. It's easy. Yeah. You survived it. How did, how did you survive it, man? I don't know. I did. I watched that movie three times because the first time I just watched it for fun, just thinking it might actually be good. And then the second time I reviewed it, and everything for the review. Then the third time I actually watched still the same? review as well. So I actually watched this movie three times. Yeah, I'm still sane. But I'm going to be honest with you. There are a few little scenes where I actually felt like I laughed. But not enough to actually love it. Not enough to actually say Adam Sandler's back mm. where he needs to be as far as comedies go. Because... They try to make make this movie into like a shared universe, like a like a Happy Madison production shared universe. They did callbacks to oh, the Waterboy. They did callbacks to uh, Happy Gilmore. They did, uh, yeah. They actually did it where Ben Stiller's remember, yeah, when yeah, the, yeah. His mom's, his grandmother's actually making a quilt, and they have Ben Stiller's character, the one, the caretaker. Uh, actually throwing somebody in prison. You have Steve Buscemi in it. You have Kevin James in this film. It does not... I'm going to be honest with you. There's some scenes that I liked and some scenes I didn't like. Some scenes that I actually felt like I was forced. 
So I'm seeing yeah, something like, like, what the hell? Like Adam Sandler begin to note that but... to have a shared universe, people have to give a fuck about your universe, and that time is gone. I mean, it doesn't shine through as much. <laughs> uh, like you think of Adam Sandler movies, maybe back in the '90s and early 2000s, like okay, this is good, but now it's just like uh, Zoolander two and uh, don't mess with the Zohan. You know, it's just very bad aftertaste so just concentrate on going you know forward right. and not do the zoolander 2 problem Definitely. and trying to just recapture your glory days because it's gone sandler yeah right and i feel like that the shared universe thing was actually forced because i always wanted to see it but the way that he did it was very forced in my opinion and everything, and then of course, you know, I got a lot of heat in a horror group because mm. I said I wish that he would just stick to dramatic movies and comedies. And I got my ass. Uh, well, everyone's had an opinion, but I completely a lot of agree. To hate on me for that. But <laughs> uh. <laughs> right, <laughs> but let's see here. Um, I actually did a hocus pocus review. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody truly gets there and okay. turns into yeah, a so mouse. We're going to have to start just starting so these movies. Every movie uh, we mention, we're going to have to mention if they're mice free or not. We're doing Italian, man. And at one point, you're just going to go up to a psychologist and be like, <laughs> right? I apparently have things with mice. Could we dissect this problem, please? <laughs> <laughs> I can just see them going, this is going to be enough weed for me as well. I can just see them going... Hold on one second. And then all of a sudden, the psychiatrist like, put, like, puts up a bong and like, smokes and goes, okay, I'm like, little, Listen now. to this episode, this episode, <laughs> this episode. I have a problem. Something with mice in my childhood. I don't know what's going on, but I, I'm... <laughs> what's that movie with uh, the guy from uh, Back to the Future? Uh, Crispin Glover, right. <laughs> where, where he controls mice. Yeah, right. yeah, like, we'll lose contact in 20 years. Oh, yeah. at least back in you know, one. you're living with mice, John. <laughs> Sanitary issues. Sanitary <laughs> issues. I hope not. But let's see. <laughs> but I'm just going to mention this briefly. I did a Hocus Pocus review. Don't like that movie. Crichton and I did a Conjuring review. Well, I think okay, like that one for some reason. I thought like we just... talked about the very first Conjuring movie. I don't get the hype. Reason. It's a good movie, but I've seen a lot better, a lot well better done. Okay. And it, I hated the fact that it did its own world after that. Like, I, I enjoyed the first one, but then when there's starting to be like 10 billion spinoffs, it's like, okay, this is a money turner. And I, when I rewatched it, I couldn't like separate what it caused and what it is, right? Right. And you see, <clears throat> the thing that I liked about mm. it was the fact that there was no background music to let us know that there was anything scary going on. I loved the camera angles with it. I loved how it connects mm. in with uh, Amityville Horror and things like that. But I do have to agree with you, the spinoffs, what... Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I understand that they're trying to do Annabelle, but enough with damn Annabelle. Yeah, and then you got because what the nun, all three like of those Corona. Films suck, there's, there's, there's a couple of other spin 
It's whatever you want to call it. I like those those couple movies. Like I'm like I I won't even try. It's just like I know I'll be disappointed. It just is not worth my time anymore. I'll be honest with you. The Nun was a paint by the numbers horror film that I did not like. And then also, too, you have a French guy that's actually hitting on the nun who's actually supposed to be in training to be a nun. And she's just in civilian clothes. But the priest is with her. Right. And he's whoa, actually whoa, whoa, just whoa. hitting on her. Pa- pa- oh, pa- what kind of eyes was that, John? And everything. And I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know. That was... <laughs> Sound like Mexican, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was yeah, that that, like that just sounds like very <laughs> bad English, bro. <laughs> oh, but uh, but yeah, I just didn't care for that one. But mm. I would have to say The Conjuring Two and The Conjuring One are better films. Now, this third one has me fascinated. Because this oh. one's called The Conjuring, Same cast, The Devil or? Made Me Do It. And the same cast, just different director. James Wan is not directing this one. He's going to be a producer on it, and he's definitely going to have his fingerprints on it, but he's not going to direct it. But basically, the Warrens are actually trying to prove if the devil made somebody kill somebody, or if it was his own intuition of himself killing some, uh, this person killing someone. So a so bit like the exorcism of Emily Rose, but like they actually try to help a killer to see if he's insane or not, but with like the juridic, uh, like a, a ju- judicial uh, side to the movie. Is that correct? Huh. It could work. I mean... It, right. It could work, but again... How do you not make it boring? Because you are going to have scenes in the courtroom like Exorcist of Emmy Rose, and you find a good mm-hmm. balance, right? But you can easily fall into this jarring back and forth, the calm, the scary, the calm. So you kind of lose yourself in the scare, right? So it's a very fine balance. Hmm. I agree with you. I think that it can actually work, just depending on how they go with it. Um, the yeah. other movies that I reviewed was House on a Haunted Hill, the 1956 version. And okay, why? I have to say, I prefer the remake over the 1956 version. For the simple fact, I understand this cheesiness. I understand the fact that Vincent Price is a, cla- is a classic actor and i love vincent price i love his work yeah yeah, this is actually my first time seeing the 1956 version so yeah so you know i was wondering how i was gonna like it compared to the 1999 Mm. version but i think it's because i have the 1999 versions in my head is maybe that's why i don't like the 1956 version that much but the thing is if you actually think about it, the movie is supposed to rely on ghosts. Yeah, and but they're the very limited, right? Version, uh, now, no if you take off like the limitations of technology, yeah. 
and you put yourself right. You're a kid. You're in 1956. You see this in cinema. Do you think the kid in you that doesn't know any other uh, anything else than what you're seeing, right? Because you have nothing else to compare. Do you think you might have enjoyed it if you would have lived through that era? Okay. I think so. Or yeah, let's say, for instance, because I grew up with like the classic Universal monsters, where my mom, right, where my mom winded up putting a VHS tape on and told me to check these out, and that's what I did. Now, if my mom went on ahead and said, "Hey, look, check out the the Vincent Price movie on VHS," and she popped it in, yeah, I might have actually had that Universal, same on me, that uh, Universal monster movie. Instead, there's had. not a monster movie per se, but it had that kind of overacting cheesiness that's still endearing, right? If I understood correctly from what I saw from the trailers. Right. Exactly. So, if anybody's curious about where they can actually watch this on, you can actually find (laughs) this on YouTube for free. So, (laughs) then, uh, I actually oh, got, let's see, 13 Ghosts with Tony Shalhoub, which is also a remake. Yeah, okay. I, Tamika and I both watched this film, and that was actually Tamika's first time seeing it. <laughs> and, yeah, she goes, this is like watching, um, going into a haunted house mm. and watching stuff come alive when you're going through the haunted yeah. house. Yeah, it, it feels like a bad. It's like a haunted house that you ride. don't want to be in. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> right, and you know what though? I remember in two thousand one loving this film, and then when I'm watching this, yeah, I'm like, it's yeah. Okay, there's a lot of hype to remember when I was younger too. To a lot be. of people talking about it, and then I finally saw it, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, this is not what I like." what I expected built up in my head. And I remember also re-seeing certain parts and the special effects really don't hold up. No, it doesn't because they use practical effects. They use some CGI effects as well, but it definitely doesn't hold up. Um, then I got Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's okay. Revenge, which... Advanced Genetics uh, Comics and I did that review again. And yeah, we called this the Elseworld Freddy. I understand uh, what they were going for. And it was an interesting concept. It just, the whole movie was so cool until he came into our world. Something, the concept was good. Just the way they shot it and the way he acted it out too kind of felt like it stood out in a bad way. I can understand where you're coming from on that as well and everything. But I liked I liked actually seeing the transformation of Freddy trying to get through our world with the kid, with this teenager who's having these off-the-wall bad dreams mm. since he moved into the house. The parents don't even understand why he's having these dreams or anything like that. His father actually thinks that he's on drugs. And also, too, it's actually mean? the gayest night of the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, movies as well, because that's actually how... Well, basically, I didn't know if you knew that or not, where um, 
basically the actor that was in the film was actually gay. Not only that, yeah, and he's had shot apparently. Okay, that's itself, interesting. I would have to revisit it coach as well. Yeah, because if you think about it, even the way this is what the guy from Advanced Gen X said, and Darnell said, and this is what I said. When you look at that scene mm. inside the shower, and then, and of course, he's like in a, in a BDSM outfit and he's in a gay club, and then the student comes in there and, and everything and sees his coach. His coach brings him back over to the high school, and then Freddie all of a sudden opens up the back of his the BDSM outfit, and then he winds up whipping him with the towels naked mm, and then also okay. to uh, throw on basketballs at him, tennis balls, and then scratching the back of his back and everything. So he said that was a very gay scene if you actually think about it in that context about to the transformation of uh, Freddie coming out of uh, Jesse's body because it's like oh, that's, that's, that's saying that he's actually coming that's out. That's something I would do on my show. He, like, he I, I have to talk to this guy, this genetics uh, comic guy. <laughs> he seems like a very interesting uh, character. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely like where his mind is going and his analysis. Because I have never, awesome. never thought of that way. <laughs> and that's really interesting when you think about it because it's all there. It makes sense. Exactly. And not only that, but, you know, I remember uh, the making of Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and everything, watching the behind the scenes commentary. Jesse, the actor who plays Jesse, mm. was criticized heavily because he was gay and openly gay at that time. And, you know, and then he got like a lot of hate, but now he goes around different. Yeah, I mean, like, and everything. You, and you always need really that brave person. To go against everyone else and say, I don't care what you think. This is who I am. But inevitably, you actually inspire other people that live through that situation and are too afraid to do do it themselves. But when they have a role model or someone do it and be like, I've been feeling like that. I need to do it. You need those people to advance the society. And he definitely is a part of the stepping stone. Definitely. But those are the movies that I actually reviewed. And only that, like I said, we went, Tamika and I went deep into the psychology of serial killers. We also, Darnell and I dived deep into that Nightmare on Elm Street thing. And yeah, it's, a, it's, it's always fun going to a movie you've seen so a billion I times. But like more that. you go, grow older in life, more you add on layers of knowledge and experience. And more you can see sometimes different angles uh, into a movie that you would have never played with, but now with that accumulated knowledge, you kind of kind of see a painted picture and you can never go back uh, and seeing that movie in, this, in the exact same way. And that's the beauty of movies, especially horror, right? Horror plays with our emotions, plays with our fears, plays with the society we live in today. Right. I cannot wait to see the next five years horror movies coming out uh, from the US because they're going to be interesting, but they're a, a reflection of society. And not a lot of genres can say they have that capacity to really reflect on the society they live in. Definitely, most definitely. And I'm glad that we're actually getting better quality on what we did in the past. That actually makes us think. (laughs) Right. 
Mm. Right. Like, I told Jamika, I have a love-hate relationship when it comes down to the Loom House. Like, here's the thing. I love the fact that they want to try something new. Mm. It works well on paper. But for me, sometimes from paper to screen, it doesn't work for me. But I can appreciate the fact that they want to do something new and outside of their element. And they're not afraid to try something new. And I like the new uh, Halloween sequel reboot thing that they did. So I like that. It's just certain things mm. with Blumhouse doesn't now, give me uh, in the what would you say is your in, MVP but I can appreciate movie what of the month? Uh, the ones you reviewed, which one really stood out as the MVP? For me, it would be the Rob Zombie Halloween movie just because of how deep I went into it. And also, too, nice. it gave me a reason to pop my DVD, my Halloween uh, DVD that I haven't watched in years. And to actually dust that mm. thing off and watch it. Uh, and I was, if it there's a movie that you wish you would have had time Zombie to review, a horror movie you hold dear to your, your heart, which one would it be? Okay, so some of the movies that I had on the list we didn't get mm, to. Good, okay, yeah, nice. And I would love, love to dive deep into the craft because of the fact that it's dealing mm. with different religions, different aspects of what teenagers are going through, the drama at home, and all that. We can all relate in a certain way, unless you're the jock or the prom queen. We can all pretty much relate. Mm. Right, exactly. So that would be a movie Me, that I would actually uh, if I could, if I could have contributed, uh, if given the chance, more like I know we were supposed to do Han Hill, uh, but if there was like this perfect choice movie of like if I could only review maybe one movie on Halloween next year, probably is going to be Twenty Eight Days Later. Twenty Eight Days Later, yeah, for me it. it that's the movie that sold oh, me zombie movies because I wasn't really a zombie movie fan. That was a good movie. And until I watched that movie, and for me, it's like, okay, this is more my pace, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much everything I reviewed. I mean, I did review this other film called Blood Feast, but it just... I just didn't really care for it. It also had the actor who was actually playing Jesse's friend in Nightmare on Elm Street 2. He plays this father who's running this uh, dine, dining room, uh, this diner. And he's uh, he's struggling. His family just moved in uh, into England and trying to find their place in England. And, of course, you know, they're down on their luck. He's not having the best success with this business. And then... He decides he's not going to take his medicine one day, and then he goes out on a killing spree. Oh, he winds okay. up serving body parts as a way to yeah, for people. You to know, eat. The, on concept, okay, so, it could be a good movie. It was it's the way they execute it, right? Probably. Yeah. Right. It was the execution, the dialogue, the force of the love interest, which was the cop for the daughter. I mean, he was like. John, John, no, no, no. One thing you have to understand, welcome to the new generation where where it's called Tinder hookup, and if it works, let's go in a relationship. (laughs) They had a Tinder date. They fucked. Then they're they're together after. 
faster pace, John. It's faster pace. It's realistic. <laughs> okay. You uh, know what? That's why I'm going to use the excuse on okay. It was a Tinder date. <laughs> now on, whenever I see something that's forced, I'm like, yeah, no, if go. I'm seeing this with my girlfriend, it's a one night stand. It's a one night stand that turned into maybe. They were you know? on a Tinder date. That's why it was rushed. <laughs> They just did a hookup, right? But yeah, this is this has been fun to do a recap. I haven't done a recap for this or anything like that before. This is actually my second time well, doing it. The more it. you do this, the but more you're like myself, our so guests are like your Pokemon. You gotta ca- uh, catch year. them all, right? So, you're accumulating your your uh, podcast Pokemon, my friend. Exactly. <laughs> Right, that's all I'm doing is collecting this Pokemon. So, <laughs> but you know what though? Um, we're actually going to be doing some comedies. You see, comedies this, are, are really not uh, my strong suit. And, uh, I have a couple of comedies too. that I like. So, but um, and like the challenge for me is finding good horror movies that my girlfriend could, could be able to watch. Her challenge is to find comedy movies that I'm actually going to stick to and actually watch them from A to Z. Um, it's a it's a harder category, uh, and uh, right. I'm not sure if I'll able to. Like, I'll be completely honest with you, John. Life is crazy, so I barely have time to 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 watch a series, let alone movies. Uh, but if there's one right. movie I could ask you maybe to review for me and do a a show, right? Uh, could you cover Rat Race for me? I, it was my first, like, my dad just bought a DVD yes, machine, and the first movie I've ever watched on a DVD was Rat Race. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. Get this. I actually saw that movie last month at my girlfriend's house, and she goes, what's this? I'm Mr. Like, Bean's said, in it, man. You haven't seen Rat Race? She goes, no. I said, we're going to watch it. <laughs> so. Oh. <laughs> Oh. Right, exactly. And oh. then, of course, and, and, and Whoopi, with Whoopi the, just being with Whoopi, the Barbie man. museum just, was hilarious. That movie rocked my world. And... But... Right. Oh, Same. nice. You're, you're moving um, up on another a world, thing, John. Another thing, too, I want to actually mention, we actually have a Patreon now, too. So, yeah, I actually created the Patreon last week. For $5 tiers, you're going to get um, older classic movies, like a Turner Classic movie type of thing, where we review like old 1950s movies, 90s classic movies. The, the list just goes on. Um, the $10 okay. tier, you're going to get, uh, pretty much you're going to wind up getting documentary series that Tamika and I are going to review. We actually have Cold Case uh, stuff and things like that. Then the twenty dollar tier, you actually get the stuff from the five dollar tier and, and, and the ten dollar tier. tier. And then of course you wind up getting a digital movie. Because I would suggest well. putting a fifty dollar Patreon tier that we only review movies of mice. Yeah, that's actually the highest tier. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've already covered everything. <laughs> and the between. 
this. John, do not underestimate my power of willingness to find more of my movies and be like, yeah, I've seen those and I love them. (laughs) Do not underestimate my power, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm sleeping, you bastard. (laughs) I say, one o'clock in the morning, I found you something. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Don't you have a kid to take care of it? Nice. But yeah, um but yeah, that's actually something that we've done. We also have a GoFundMe page now. As so we Tamika actually set that up. We have of course moviloversunite.com. We got that for your all your entertainment news and everything. We have that. Then of course you have the YouTube channel and then you also have the buy me the coffee.com if you want to donate towards the show <coughs> call and it's actually buymeacoffee.com slash movie lovers. We have that. And we're just doing a bunch of stuff and hopefully. Yeah, and you look, know, uh, you've been at us uh, a long time. Uh, this is something that content. you are truly made for, John. I'm really happy you find your, your nest. And I'm just happy I can be along the ride with you and, and just enjoy doing this with you because you love movies, you love talking about movies. And uh, it's about time that people are starting to follow and catch on to what you're doing. And I really congratulate on your resilience because not a lot of people would stick this long. But, you know, you do something you love because you love it. Thank you, man. Results will come in a way that you'd be surprised how they come, right? Exactly, man. I'm just happy at how far I've come over a year of just doing audio podcasting. (laughs) And then also, too... Like, when I was doing YouTube videos, I was actually losing subscribers. Then when I took a break, get this, when I took yeah, a break li- from doing funny, YouTube man. videos, life I wound is... up having I, we, We've been at this for a year, and we're, we're so... just about to hit 100 subscribers, and our times right. are picking up, and things are finally, you know, actually happening. But, man, was it a fucking ride. <laughs> so podcasting is not easy. But we don't do this for the fame. I'm we don't do this for, for the success. We do this just to find other people who love movies. Right. right. Exactly. Right. And you know what, man? I'm actually happy for you that you actually got your niche. And also, too, I always appreciate you coming on the show. Like, no joke. I always feel like you add a little bit of flavor to the show and everything. You and Tamika and everybody else that I have. But... I just want to say thank you. Well, I appreciate it, man. So in that case, till next time, my friend. Just coming on whenever you can. It does mean a lot to me.